What will your future look like? The job you do today could be different than the jobs of tomorrow. Some see this as a challenge. At UCF, we see opportunity. A chance for you to grow your knowledge and strengthen your skills from anywhere life might take you. With in-demand degree programs and resources for your success, UCF Online can help you prepare for the future and all the possibilities that come with it. From the University of Central Florida's Center for Distributed Learning, I'm Tom Cavanaugh. And I'm Kelvin Thompson. And you're listening to TopCast, the teaching online podcast. Woohoo! Love that show. Yeah, we should probably have some sort of like, you know, audience applause track and yeah, the crowd goes wild. Yeah. Or maybe a one lone snore. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, one hand clapping. Or, yeah, <laughs> slow clap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could do better than that. Wherever you are, would you just give us a little applause right now? Yeah, we'll really. feel it in well, our spirit. If you're driving, keep your hands on the. Oh yeah, that's right. Please. Clap with your mouth. That's, <laughs> be, be People will be driving by. Why is that person imitating a fish? <laughs> but this does transition into. I've been thinking. You know, our our little our little. Um, uh, small talk is all weather related, and I was thinking, what other topics are there? And traffic and driving, I did think about as a as a viable alternative. Yeah, well, I do my share of podcast listening in the car. Yeah, I'm, I'm always multitasking for something when I'm listening. With hands on the wheel, always, 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 always. That's right. No, that's yeah. good. So we can think about that as like a future small talk. You know? Uh, yeah, I was listening actually this week. I was driving back and forth to the uh, uh, the Florida Virtual Campus Summit that they had in Daytona Beach, and um, man, I used to do that drive every day, and I can't believe I used to do that drive every day. So God Seemed bless you. Seemed a lot you. longer this time than it well, did before. Well, not even so much longer. That wasn't the problem. It was just, whoo. Central Florida drivers, God bless them. Yeah, listeners, where you are, everybody is probably an intelligent and considerate <laughs> driver. But here in the greater Central Florida area, there's a subset of people, not Tom or me, I'm no, sure. never. But there's a subset of drivers that are just dang crazy behind a wheel. Crazy. crazy. And rude. And we've, selfish. <laughs> we've got the competition between the people who are um, just not good because they're just driving way too fast and recklessly with the tourists <laughs> that are not good because they're so slow. Is this and, universal? Yeah, don't know where they're going. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's my exit. <laughs> Let me execute a 360. Yeah, go across five lanes of traffic. Cause, I saw that the other day. Yeah, I've seen it before, too. So, anyway. Mm-hmm. We love we love our visitors here in Florida. Yeah, thanks. Come. Yeah. Spend some money. Yeah. All right. Enough mindless banter for one episode. <laughs> that was mindful. mindful. That was mindful banter. banter. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've poured me my coffee. Yes. In the in the color changing mug. Do you yeah, see what that's that is? really cool. It was a black mug that um, that you put some hot beverage into, and it has revealed the uh, USS Arizona monument at Pearl Harbor. Yeah, isn't that, that great? is really cool. I love that mug. That is a now a, a completely colorful mug. It's really cool. And then I've got my Doctor Who Beware the Weeping Angels, where you've got the Weeping Angels far away, don't blink, and then there's, <gasps> there she is, right, and she's gonna get you. So it's a scary, you know, that's a scary. Uh, Stuff as I get. 
That is really cool. Yeah, I like that one a lot. That mug. All right. Yes. <laughs> Too bad it doesn't translate into a podcast <laughs> audio <laughs> medium. <laughs> well, you've described it so well, though. Yes, yes. Maybe we'll take a picture. Or as, uh, as Joel Hartman, uh, our friend and CIO here at UCF, likes to say, the thing I liked about uh, radio is that pictures were better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. So I've got this uh, lovely beverage inside this color-changing cup. Yep. Um, what am I drinking? What's in the thermos? Well, Tom, today's coffee, and it is coffee, comes to us from our colleague and TopCast listener, Dr. Luke Dowden. Chief Luke. Online Learning Officer and Associate Vice Chancellor for Alamo Colleges Online. We know Luke. Yes. So Luke visited, Tom, Jamaica. Yaman. Yeah, and brought back for us, hand-delivered, a sample of the legendary Blue Mountain coffee. Wow. So that's what this is, 100% Blue Mountain coffee. So now we've talked before, you and our listeners might remember, on TopCast, about Blue Mountain coffee. And as tasty as it usually is... I'm of the mind personally, no offense to anybody else, but I'm of the mind personally that Jamaica Blue Mountain coffee, like I might add Hawaii Kona coffee, is generally overpriced relative to its value. This coffee came to us free, Uh, (laughs) but generally speaking, since I find it overpriced, I seldom purchase Blue Mountain or Kona myself. There are far too many other excellent quality single origin coffees at more reasonable price points. And hey, I'm willing to spend money on great coffee. I believe you get what you pay for. So thanks, Luke, for the coffee. So I'll ask you, Tom, how is it? And uh, do you find a connection in there somewhere in the murky depths of your cup to today's topic? <laughs> um, I actually think coffee is very good. I like it. Thank mm-hmm. you, Luke. That's very generous of you. And I, and I will say that you, Kelvin Thompson, mm-hmm. have brought me back uh, Kona coffee from Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So despite your protestations, you have <laughs> been right. very I, generous with me. I have on occasion purchased some. I just, yeah. you know, don't do it a lot. Yeah. And I actually get the connection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. The angels, uh, the weeping angels, though they may be, are now singing. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Maybe we need another kind of <laughs> applause track. Um, Tom gets the connection. <laughs> Yes, as opposed to what does a swing and a miss sound like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so I, you, you know, you you pay a little extra to get mm-hmm. a little extra. Mm-hmm. You things that are of high value mm-hmm. and high quality cost. Yep. Um, all of that seems to relate to today's topic. Oh, thank you, God. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, today. Uh, we actually have one of our guest interviews, mm-hmm. and we're going to be talking about the funding and and occasional defunding mm-hmm. of online education at institutions through uh, a mechanism that we know very well here, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the distance learning course fee. Yep. And um, this goes back to an interview you did <laughs> uh, in the 2018 mm-hmm. OLC Accelerate Conference. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is another one of those examples about why we're doing two a month. <laughs> Try to catch up. Yeah, poor poor Tammy Powell. Um, um, she, who is the subject of the interview yes. from Kennesaw State University, she... Um, she was interviewed, um, yeah, all the way back in in 2018, and um, and uh, our apologies to her mm-hmm. <laughs> for waiting this long to finally get it into the schedule. But when you spoke spoke to her, you talked broadly about uh, the role of distance learning course fees, mm-hmm. um, you know how that funds online education operations, and how the actual removal of that fee mm-hmm. um, impacted her and Kennesaw State. Yeah, yeah, that's right. 
So anything you want to say about that? You want to tell us, you know, her position, yeah, her yeah. title? Yeah, sure. Uh, so Dr. Tammy or Tamara Powell is Director of Digital Education for Kennesaw State University's College of Humanities and Social Sciences. And formerly, and at the time of this interview, she was serving as Interim Executive Director for Technology Enhanced Learning at Kennesaw State University broadly. And um, a couple of uh, little little caveats. Uh, at one point, I totally misquoted her and said that, you know, uh, they started doing this uh, course fee thing in 2006, and she said 2007 or 2008, and I'm just going to confuse all of you uh, with that. I thought it w was interesting, though, as I mentioned in here, that they're an interesting case study because they operated without a distance learning course fee of any sort in their early years. And as far as I can tell, everything was very ad hoc, faculty uh, motivation only, ad hoc. Then they decided they were going to start formally into online learning and started with this course fee idea in around 2007, 2008 um, and move forward. And then they're currently, as she'll talk about, working on pulling back uh, from that. The other thing is we keep saying, as, as you and I have already said here in, uh, in our little intro uh, remarks, we've talked about distance learning course fees, as does Tammy in the interview. But technically, you'll also hear her use this other term, e-tuition. Technically, the University System of Georgia uses the term e-tuition mm -hmm. to refer to a special tuition add-on rate per credit hour rather than a fee, per se, right? People are sensitive to fees. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, I guess a lot is in the framing. Yes. Yeah. And they've been on a trajectory in Georgia, just like a lot of our uh, systems and institutions, a trajectory of reducing student fees and reducing special tuitions. And we're linking to a number of uh, background documents in the show notes page uh, about that. But other than that, um, I, I'd, I'll just say that we focus in a lot at the tactical level, but I would encourage everybody to listen for holistic takeaways. And we'll try to offer some of that on the backside of the interview. All right. With no further ado, here through the magic of podcast time travel is your conversation with Dr. Tammy Powell. Hey, Tammy, thanks for joining us on TopCast. Glad to have you here. Oh, thanks for having me. So we talked uh, before we hit record about um, your unique insights into distance learning course fees at your institution because you've had uh, uh, a bit of a history uh, with them and evolution. Could you maybe just address the, um, the pros and cons of distance learning course fees and a little bit of like the history of having, not having at your institution, and then we can kind of talk about the recent developments. Does that sound okay? Yeah, and, and the words history and evolution sound so nice, <laughs> so positive. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it was 2007, um, maybe 2008, when Kennesaw State University started charging the course fees. Um, they were $100 a credit hour. Um, and which we talked about, and it's the other institutions do charge less. There were others in Georgia that charged more, um, but um, we went from you know sort of a build your own course online and hope it's good and and so on to as many institutions uh, have done to a very structured support system with instructional designers for assigned to colleges and faculty who were. Um, assigned to support colleagues and a, a quality matters internal quality matters review system um, very robust faculty development system and the the rules of the the course fees for KSU were that um, every 
every penny had to be spent to benefit students. Mm -hmm. Now that was broadly defined. Um, uh, it was, for example, the Internal Quality Matters Review System, the um, robust faculty development system along with, of course, technology for students and things that students probably would say, yeah, that benefited me directly and others that students may not agree with our definition on. But but we were not spending it on football stadiums or faculty lounges and stuff like that. So. Mm -hmm. um, our Board of Regents declared that our e-tuition had to be reduced to zero in three years. That that came um, last May, so May 20, 2018. Mm -hmm. um, so it'll be zero in 2020. Um, and um, so that's been a huge hit uh, mm -hmm. because we were funding online learning. 30%, I should say, about 30% of our credit hours are offered online. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a big chunk of our, our um, credit hours. Mm -hmm. So uh, what that means actually is that in three years, face-to-face -face students will actually pay more than online students because uh, our online students get a cut in the um, course fee, in, um, like tech fees and stuff that the face-to-face mm -hmm. -face students pay. Um, and so even though one of the rationales was equity, I'm not sure that was completely thought through. KSU is actually, actually not that expensive as well, so mm -hmm. I don't know if that's here or there. But in any case, one of the things we were doing with the um, the money was helping to create large enrollment sections so that students could get their courses in a more timely fashion and increase RPG. So of course that that impact that's that's been halted. Um, so the impact on that has been devastated, devastating. Students are now saying, "Oh, well, I'm back to waiting for my classes and mm -hmm. you know an extra couple of years to graduate so I can get these classes and so on." So it it has not benefited the students, um, but um, it certainly has fostered many opportunities for creative thinking. Mm -hmm. And um, we have, can, we cannot, we can no longer sustain a peer review system for the online courses. There's no way uh, without funding. So um, we are now in the midst of great change. Um, we are creating a new rubric, and um, we are. It'll be an internal rubric. One thing that we did get from the the years of having a course fee was a very um, a very tight culture of excellence for online courses. Mm -hmm. With the internal um, KSU QM review system, our faculty have really given themselves very high standards for online courses. And you know, even they were like, the quality matters bar is low, we do so mm -hmm. much better, which we were very proud of what we created, which I think is an amazing gift. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we hope to carry that momentum into the, the new KSU-centered rubric that we're creating and of course we can't do peer reviews so the faculty have to take on a lot more responsibility for ADA compliance for um, SACS meeting SACS guidelines meeting federal financial aid guidelines and so um, we're going to train the faculty and support them as best we can we, we do still have instructional designers who and the system now is instead of us coming to them and saying you'll do this peer review you'll meet these standards they'll come to us and say I need help with the ADA component mm -hmm. or I need help I want help building this and and so on so that's it's it's going to be a hopefully we'll keep that culture of you know expectations of excellence but um, it certainly will be a change in the way the faculty uh, approach getting the assistance they need. Mm -hmm. Maybe just um, stepping back for a second and realizing probably, I would imagine some of our listeners at their institutions have a distance learning course fee, probably some don't. Mm -hmm. um, so summarizing, it sounds like uh, pre-2006, you had online courses, you didn't have a distance learning course fee, 2006, 
you started having a distance learning course fee. You had one for 12 years. Some, somewhere around in there, yeah. I wasn't there at the time. But yeah, yeah. So it's like 12 years, and then, uh, and then okay, we've got to transition out now um, by, by 2020. So the institution didn't have, has, uh, and won't have again. We've talked a little bit about uh, some of the changes of going from depending on having one to, to not. And I know you said you, you weren't there at the time, but what did having uh, a course fee enable? What, like you mentioned that it was very um, faculty on their own, but staffing levels, like what kind of staffing was there pre-course fee versus I assume that the course fee allowed uh, for additional staffing. Can you maybe comment about that, that first going from no fee to fee? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was one of the staff hired with that fee. Ah. Um, yeah, so it did. It allowed us to hire. Um, at the time, I was hired as the online coordinator for the College of Humanities and Social Sciences, mm-hmm. and my job was to get courses online and have them be high quality. And mm-hmm. we won the 2010 um, Online Learning Consortium Faculty Development Award that year. I think I remember that. Yeah, um, you know, um, trained. We've trained 250 faculty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in that over the years. Um, so yes, and we were able to hire instructional designers. Um, we were able to hire um, the people who ran the QM system. Mm-hmm. We were able to pay the faculty to do the peer reviews, which was nice. Um, and we were also, because we were short, I mean, Kennesaw State has now has 35,000 students. We just mm-hmm. have, we have, we are, we are so blessed, uh, but we need teachers. And so mm-hmm. we didn't have enough faculty, so we did hire quite a few faculty. Finally, uh, we waited a long time because we were afraid, but finally, about three years ago, we were given the go-ahead to use it to hire faculty. So the DL fee paid for faculty, some mm-hmm. faculty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Paid salaries. Um, and they were lecturers, online lecturers, and mm-hmm. so that was a huge panic when mm-hmm. the fee was going away because, um, you know, not only are people losing their jobs, but we needed the faculty. We can't serve the students if we can't offer the classes. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, through some really great efforts on the part of administration, and I was part of these conversations, and it was a lot of hard work, we were able to save everybody. Um, so you've, you've lost no employees in this process? No. We've lost a lot, but no people. No mm-hmm. people. Um, That's pretty remarkable. It was, it's very impressive, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, I could say a lot about the hard work that went into that. Um, mm-hmm that I, I'm appreciative for, obviously, since I was one of the people on the side <laughs> of money. But I was, but that's, there's just different, I'm a um, tenured full professor, so mm-hmm. they would just have to find some money for me. So right. it's, I wasn't really, I just had to be moved somewhere. But um, yeah, it's, we spent, you know, the money on the faculty and, and that was a huge challenge. Now you've, it's clear that pre-DL fee, there was less staffing. DLP period, more staffing. Um, post DLP, maintaining staffing through some creative uh, uh, choices. But is it also true? I'm just trying to interpret this. Was um, is it true that pre DLP very decentralized, DLP more centralization to some extent through things like instructional design services and. Uh, QM reviews and so forth, and then now post DLP, 
less centralized again? Is that is that true or is that not? No. And KSU is interesting because we were a junior college and we're very young. Back in the day? Back in the day. And we're, we're about 50 so years old. And so it's very common at KSU to be, to just have an idea and people go, yeah, I want you to do that. Which I understand at other institutions is not so common. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was hired first as the online coordinator for the College of Humanities and Social Sciences, um, I was the only online director at the time. The college mm-hmm. just needed somebody and they used the, the money to hire somebody. Um, and then, so it was very decentralized then. Every college was kind of fending for him or herself, it or itself. I guess it's their college or gender. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I was trying to make the pronoun antecedent degree. Uh, English professor. I noticed. Yeah. And so, anyway, the they then had a centralized unit, the Distance Learning Center, mm-hmm. um, which was set up separately. And then um, the it just became clear that really the load from some of the colleges with high online um, was too much for a centralized office. So um, Coles College of Business, um, College of Humanities, Social Sciences, every college had an online coordinator, Mm -hmm. but some were given more responsibilities than others because Mm -hmm. they just had more needed to be done. Coles, Bagwell, College of Education, and then um, College of the Arts for a while. And then College of Humanities and Social Sciences. So there was a decentralized system that way. But we were all work, we're all worked together. We met together. We have good relationships. Um, I'm presenting here with my colleagues from University College and Bagwell mm-hmm. College of mm-hmm. Education. Um, however, after the several things happened. One is because we were able to fund a build out of classes. Um, some colleges like. You know, they have this X degree programs, they build all their classes, they're kind of done, and they don't need the level of support mm. that they used to. Mm-hmm. Whereas for other colleges like College of Humanities and Social Sciences, we we offer most of the gen eds, so I say we because English professor, but um, the those courses get built constantly. Mm-hmm. And so they always require a high level of support. So now, um, with the funding gone, some of the colleges that did decentralized are now saying well we're not so interested in, in doing that anymore it's really the college's decision and other colleges are saying oh no we we're still we still need our own um, instructional designer and we need it in-house and so on um, but I would say for the most part um, it's getting more centralized because of the financial crunch but also because now the colleges are looking at what they need and they're saying well we're kind of built out and we don't really need mm-hmm. the support we thought we did or that we needed in the past um, but those are things the colleges decide. As we get close to wrapping up, um, I guess I should add I'm now the director of the Distance Learning Center, so I'm now the director of the centralized unit or the executive uh-huh. director of Technology Enhanced Learning interim. Interim. Mm-hmm. So things have changed, but yeah. As we get close to wrapping up, I think maybe some takeaways for our listeners. It might be useful for them to hear what are maybe some cautions or some concerns or principles that come to mind for our listeners who have a DL fee? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what are some takeaways for folks who don't have a DL fee, having gone through this transition? Mm-hmm. Any, any words of wisdom? Drive it like you stole it. Drive it like you stole <laughs> it. So use it while you got it? Right. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I would never say don't have one. Uh, because of this experience because like I said if nothing else we got this gift of um, this real faculty uh, culture of of excellence and expectations Um, and we I don't think we could have had that if we hadn't um, 
mm-hmm. had some money to spend on faculty mm-hmm. development and here's what here's the research and best practices and so on um, but yeah do be I, I would say probably again if we hadn't hired the faculty and the people that we hired on the soft money and the instructional designers again we could not have grown Mm-hmm. But I think that was the the scariest part. I mean, I, I'd say definitely be mindful if you do hire people on soft money that you have a plan for them mm-hmm. should the money be taken away. Because mm-hmm. that was the worst part is the, the fear that people would lose jobs. And then uh, is there anything else you would say about, because uh, I'm fascinated by the fact and, and so, so in awe of uh, the statement that you haven't lost anybody that you've done these creative solutions. Is there any guiding principle there? I mean, anything that, that was it a, a university commitment of we're not gonna, we're gonna prioritize people, we're not gonna let anybody go, and then we're gonna move heaven and earth to do it? Or how, how does that work? Yes, um, absolutely. I mean, I, I think I'm gonna credit Mike Roethlisberger in Academic Affairs who worked tirelessly to make sure that we didn't lose any people. Now, not everybody, got to stay in their same position. I will say that people did leave voluntarily because the money was drawn up and they saw that writing on the wall and their people have left for other reasons. Mm-hmm. But um, but yes, the people who stayed, they, they have positions. Again, a lot of people have lost a lot of money because many of mm-hmm. us had overload payments and so on mm-hmm. um, because we did extra work for online stuff. But mm-hmm. um, so it wasn't perfect, mm-hmm. but yeah, we were able to retain everyone. Hey, thanks so much for giving of your time, sharing uh, some of your story from Kennesaw State, and uh, hope it's a great rest of the conference for you. No, thanks. Go Owls! Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So, Kelvin, that was your interview with Tammy Powell. Yes, and again, thanks to Tammy for your patience and waiting for this to see the light of day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we ought to follow up and find out more now, you know, a year and a half into it, uh, how all that's going. Yeah, who knows? Could be, we could do a whole new podcast <laughs> about right. it now. That's, yeah. that's right. But I think it's an interesting case study. It is. And, and as I sort of alluded to on the, on the front side, um, the idea of, of a distance learning fee is one that we know very well here in the state of Florida. Yep. Um, and maybe maybe it would be helpful just to kind of give a, a quick mm-hmm. uh, summary of, of how it works here. There is a statute in in Florida law that uh, describes a uh, you know, variety of fees, including the distance learning fee that universities and colleges are, are permitted to charge. And then within the state university system of Florida, there are some regulations that define um, you know, how that gets implemented, including what the maximum amount you can charge mm-hmm. uh, per credit hour is. And most of the state universities here do charge um, some version of the fee. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say at least half of them charge the maximum. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, that's how we've been able to fund online learning. And uh, to quote, or at least homage to uh, Russ Poulin, uh, when he was uh, here in that um, episode 58 about policy alongside uh, Cheryl Dowd, uh, policies and legislation exist sometimes because people do dumb stuff. And I will just tell you, <laughs> without naming any names, there was a Wild West period in uh, Florida's online learning. Yeah, where it wasn't always capped. <laughs> it was not always capped. <laughs> it is today. It is capped. today. Yeah, yeah. And there was a, there was a period where the cap was in statute. Yeah, and then that statute expired, and it went into regs. Um, 
Yeah, because because um, you know people had been justifying all kinds of things as eligible expenses, and and there was a vast spectrum mm-hmm. of of amounts being charged to the point where the legislature kind of said, well, if you're all doing the same thing and you're all charging all these crazy varying amounts, what up? Yeah, uh, and then they they got involved. Um, you mentioned Russ mm-hmm. Russ Poulin. Um, a, a couple of years ago, WCET did a survey where they did talk about both the, the cost and price of mm-hmm. distance learning, and the idea of, of fees was part of that. And that, that might be worth looking up um, at WCET if, if you want to know more about this, this subject. Um, and I, I was part of a little bit of sort of the drafting of that survey, and um, I will say it's, it's really complicated because mm-hmm. everybody's contexts are so mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. So, like some of the questions were: are, Is your is your tuition the same, but you mm-hmm, have fees, mm-hmm. or do you have a different e tuition for mm-hmm. out of state, but no fees? And um, you know, we we get asked questions sometimes, like, well, why why is it cost more for online learning? And we kind of have to say, well, it actually, you know, it doesn't because the tuition's the same. Mm-hmm. What we add the fee for is because we had this existing university; it's been around for a while, and we added online learning capacity mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. it, it was an additive cost right. to build that infrastructure. If you just wanted a virtual university, mm-hmm. that would have a different cost model. Um, so, I, I, you know, the fully online universities probably don't have a distance learning fee, I, I would imagine. I, that's probably something yeah. I should no, I should have looked up before I no, spoke. That's, 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 that is logical. Yeah. That is, that is, that is logical. And, and I guess just to say this, right, I think... Um, DL course fees are kind of a good news, bad news proposition, right? Good news, you can get some resources. Bad news, you could be dependent on them. And what if they went away? Right. Um, but I would say, you know, broadly, as we've talked about before, I think we and, and others in our field, we're all in favor of reducing the functional cost of education for students. That's That's laudable. But let's not mistake anything. Online operations do require funding of some sort. They're not magic. Right. Just because stuff's online, it's not like it's free. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you, you still have to pay faculty. You still have infrastructure. That's right. You may not have walls, but you still have a learning space, right? You That's mean, right. And there's, there's you know, a whole uh, human and technological infrastructure behind quality online programs. The elves don't come at night and build your <laughs> online courses. <laughs> right. Or, or talk to your students and, and help them through things. And mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and and as, as we've talked about in, in past podcasts, online learners, particularly non-traditional adult kind of online learners that have been away from college for a long time or maybe always, um, Sometimes need extra support, right? Right. You know, and that that has a cost associated with it. Yeah. Also. You, if you're gonna if you're gonna do things differently, which again we've broadly talked about in, as a theme, you know, in order to uh, achieve social mobility goals of reaching folks who don't normally come to college, then if you're gonna do things differently, that's not free either. That's right. <laughs> that's right. All right. So the coffee's dwindling. Yes, you want to give us the bottom line? I will. I will attempt to bottom line at the bottom of the cup here. As online educators, we must be responsible and efficient with our operational funding, duh. However, excellent online education does require resources, and so we all need to help clarify for policymakers and senior leaders the return on investment of funding our work. Amen. ROI. All right, so maybe on the way out the door here, I'll do a a quick plug. Yeah, please. 
So, top cast listener, who we've mentioned before, yeah. and who has provided us with coffee. Thank you. Dr. Jorge Silva Puras, who's head of global learning for Universidad Sagrado Corazón in Puerto Rico, posted the following recommendation on the Apple Podcast platform regarding TopCast. He said, it is a true pleasure to listen to your podcast episodes, and thanks for increasing the frequency to twice monthly. First feedback we've got. First feedback. Thank you, Jorge. Uh, we are reapplying many of your suggestions, particularly as we develop the online skills of our faculty. Thanks again. No. Thank you, Jorge. Thank you, Gracias Jorge. muchísimo. There you go. Yeah, so if you have comments about TopCast that potential listeners would find helpful, please consider leaving a one- or two-sentence review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to these you know, various and sundry episodes. Mm -hmm. It is a great help, and we might just read your review on a future episode. And do let us know if you think this twice-a-month yeah. format is working for you if, or if it's too much Tom and Kelvin. Yeah, and if you just want to reach out, topcast at ucf.edu. We'd be happy to hear from you that way as well. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. So thank you uh, to Luke for the coffee yeah. and to Tammy for the interview. And to Jorge for the kind words. And to Jorge for the kind words. So this has been a group effort, this <laughs> they all are. podcast episode. We're better together. All right. So until next time, for TopCast, I'm Tom. And I'm Kelvin. See ya. See ya.